The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. I am your host, Ajit. Today, Joining me to discuss the recently concluded uh, test between uh, South Africa and Bangladesh, the Women's uh, World Cup final, as well as some ongoing uh, international cricket and news, I have a special guest, Abraham. Hello, Abraham. Welcome to the Amsterdam Cricket Podcast. Hi, Ajit. Nice to be here. I must first say thanks because I had another guest lined up. I'll be frank about it. That guest sort of pulled out at the last minute. But I was lucky that uh, you were still able to fill in. So... Thanks for that. And based on our chats outside of this recording, I think uh, I'll enjoy this uh, chat with you anyway. Thanks. Before- thanks. I'm uh, happy to fill in because uh, also in school, when I played cricket, I was always the 12th man. So I have experience in filling in for other people. You know, you preempted my first question. So every guest I have, I'll ask what began your interest in cricket? How did cricket sort of uh, take an interest for you? So I think you sort of answered it. So you started playing cricket as a student. Where does that journey go for you? Uh, yes, I started playing cricket, I think, before I was a student, because the first memory I have of me playing cricket was I was, uh, yeah, like, I don't know, uh, too young to be a student of any kind. I was in like lower kindergarten or something. That's uh, what I remember. I had an uh, inflatable plastic bat uh, and a plastic ball, which was not inflatable, but uh, it, it had like a... The markings of a uh, you know grip of a cricket ball on it, and that's what I used to play uh, play cricket uh, play cricket with my brother with. Uh, so yeah, uh, how did I uh, start playing cricket? I think when I came to uh, when I uh, gained consciousness, cricket was just there uh, because I grew up in India, and uh, I think uh, when I looked first looked out of uh, uh, looked out of a window, there were people playing cricket. So that was my first encounter, I suppose. <laughs> very nice very nice i think it it began uh, similarly for most of us right playing cricket on the streets or watching some cricket or some in some cases listening to some cricket uh, depends on how it goes so but okay nice and 
you are somebody who does something else uh, for a living uh, compared to most people i know uh, as in not it uh, but you work with media let's say press and other things i used to work uh, with media i was a journalist for the glorious uh, uh, two and a half years uh, <laughs> before <laughs> before i found out before i told myself that i'm not the kind of person who can keep up with the hectic pace of uh, of of the media environment um i you know finding stories every day doing things on on the go snap snap that kind of thing uh so i decided to do do a masters in something but development studies then um then a lot of things happened and at this point of time i'm working for a water management company in the netherlands uh, that works mostly in uh, uh, in uh, in africa and asia um and um uh i worked there uh, as a program manager and a social development expert which means that i uh, work on the non technical parts of water management projects such as building a dam or doing things with a river or like managing a landscape that kind of thing fantastic fantastic to hear all right let's dive into the games this week so i think first we should start off with the test the south africa versus bangladesh test so initial impressions were you able to catch any part of it at all yes uh, you can relate to this i'm sure i uh, i was watching it um, at work uh, on and off <laughs> uh, uh, i would have like one window open and i would have my headphones on with the commentary blaring all the time into my ears uh, and my colleagues would not know what i'm listening to they would think i'm hard at work but um, I have a bit of a connection uh, to Bangladesh because uh, uh, as part of my work I have spent uh, a fair amount of time um, uh, between 2017 and 2019 in Bangladesh I think wow. I spent around 200 days in Bangladesh during that period mm-hmm. uh, traveling extensively throughout the country so and uh, uh, if there is one country that is more cricket crazy than India it is Bangladesh so I would talk cricket a lot with uh, the local people and really got into the Bangladesh team and uh, the grouse of the local people was always that while they've had like the off win every now and then the off victory the off good match every now and then they were not good at the real stuff which means that they were not winning consistently and uh, that they were not really good at test cricket so when they beat new zealand earlier this year my friends in bangladesh uh, yeah, they contacted me and we got in touch started talking they were really happy mm-hmm. also the first uh, you know four days of the of the test match let's say the first three and a half days my friends back in bangladesh were really happy and so was i it is generally uh, nice for the cricket world for uh, for the international cricket community at large when there is an upset and the bangladesh beating south africa uh, at home would have been an upset uh, despite the fact that south africa was missing uh, several key players but still and things were really going bangladesh's ways uh, way and uh, one thing i found remarkable was that this was about um, bangladeshi pacers and south african spinners and uh, that does not happen a lot <laughs> indeed so indeed. i really uh, it, it it was a fascinating match and i thought the how it finished how it ended was a bit anticlimactic that's unfortunate absolutely right so look it was a tight contest for the first four days and as you aptly put it was for a change the leading bowlers on both sides had as if exchanged roles right so the south african spinners were the lead bowlers and the bangladeshi pacers look i think bangladesh have come a long way uh, nobody can take them lightly even when they tour so the 
when in new zealand was sort of also coming up in such a way that you saw it was going to happen right it was not going to be anybody it was not going to take many people by surprise just that it happened the way it did took some people by surprise is all but again they competed absolutely well in the first four days so if you look at the scorecard south africa put up a very competitive 367 batting first there was something in the pitch as always there is in south africa for both batters because the ball sort of comes onto the bat nicely but your fast bowlers are always interested in this case the spinners are the more experienced bowlers and they chose to include uh, harmer who has like almost a decade long association with county cricket as well that basically meant you know they had enough experience in the lineup in the bowling lineup right uh, lizard williams might be playing his second test dwane olivier only a handful of tests right so they went in with two full time spinners and one sort of uh, middle order batsman who can also bowl vian mulder who i must say had a fallow sort of a game but you know 367 is a pretty decent total and you could see everybody down the order uh, contributing in doubles and singles you know um temba bauma was very unlucky to miss out on 100 he was playing his 50th test i was one of those people who was rooting for him to try to uh, he has a terrible conversion rate now this is his 18th half century score and 100 in 50 tests but i'm sure he'll pick it up in the next part of his career right so you saw the wickets being taken i think um, mehdi hasan miraj took a 3 4 but khaled ahmed and ibadat hussain took 2 and 4 so again the fast bowlers of bangladesh ibadat hussain has been the quite a revelation this year right so he led the attack even though taskin ahmed was not particularly effective i don't think he bled a lot of runs so you know that's how an attack works so somebody has a good day somebody not so much and bangladesh batted very well so a lot of credit to mahmud hasan joy so 137 i got i got a chance to listen to most of it between us let me give you a tip there is a online radio channel called guerrilla cricket they cover so the mothership the one in england covers all english games international games there's they have a, a branch or a, another office in south africa or another counterpart in south africa called guerrilla cricket south africa they cover all south african international games you can hear to the commentary while you work so maybe a little less distracting even right so a tip for next time I, w- i was able to hear most of the game luckily because it also the timing is very nicely coincides with our timings here so i was able to catch up and uh, fantastic actually the, and for me test match is more evocative when you hear it because sometimes not a lot of action happens but you hear the build up of pressure and the build up of the game slowly right so in this case 298 again lot of contributions also from the lower order right litton das 41 yasir ali 22 again mehdi hasan 29 so they would even consider themselves a bit light there because the way they played the middle order completely didn't uh, come into the picture at all mominul haq mushfiq ur rahim right and um, that way their batting order was extended because they had a night watchman and when it came to south africa simon harmer four wickets in the first innings three in the second right and then lizard williams took three he was a bit costly and duane olivier he's very threatening he doesn't he doesn't bowl as fast as he once did but still he took a wicket so vian mulder took a wicket and keshav maharaj very interestingly wicketless first innings then comes the second innings where you know again south africa looks so well set up i remember they were 2 for 123 124 something like this i am like in a matter of 100 runs they are going to get completely on top of bangladesh and then they'll have the game at their mercy then i couldn't watch any more work or something and then i look back at their 204 all out how did this happen again thanks to ibadat hasan taskin ahmed this time right and mehdi hasan opened the bowling because the pitch had started to take turn and he is a very good exponent of such a conditions and he did really well he took 3 so all in all from what they could be expecting something like 350 to chase bangladesh are now going to chase 274 
and if i'm not wrong i think they finished overnight for like 11 for 3 so there are 11 for 3 that yeah. was already that was already they were already in trouble in the six overs they had south africa very much like india as if they are playing india in india they opened with two spinners right with the new ball and what a move that was because uh, they already had bangladesh 11 for 3 and it looks like nobody else bowled in the second innings i mean such a rare thing these days that to see two bowlers finish the entire innings off i don't know when it last happened even i must look it up but that's it keshav maharaj 7 saman harmar 3 and they just run through the bangladesh side completely did you get to see any yeah. of the last day uh i couldn't get to see the last day which is a bit of a shame because uh, uh yeah the last day was where it went down the last day was where the party was uh it appears but um yeah it reminded me very much of uh, of of um, of india's time in south africa when uh, you know india uh, was down there and um, there would be uh, periods of uh, of partnerships there would be like uh, short periods when uh, two or three batsmen uh, uh, would uh, sort of uh, you know cobble together uh, some partnerships Uh, but after that like that only punctuated uh, the rest of, the, of 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 the test matches the uh, uh, the rest of the game which was essentially collapses but having watched the pakistan versus australia tests i preferred this to the other extreme so this was one of my thoughts uh, this was something that i thought of course perhaps both are uh, a certain amount of undesirable but if these were the two choices this kind of test matches and the pakistan australia kind of test matches i preferred this because uh, there is more happening here the other thing uh, i found remarkable was that mehdi uh, hasan miras uh, who's from uh, uh, khulna a place i'm very close to like i've spent a lot of time over there um, he bowled in south africa much better of course uh, uh, the conditions were a bit different but it reminded me of ravi chandra dashwin uh, you know bowling here and people expecting him well not to uh, uh, run through the uh, south african batting order but uh, at least um, making a more substantial contribution than he did and he wasn't able to and mehdi uh, and uh, mehdi hasan miraz over here was able to so i found that remarkable the other thing uh, the other thought the other sort of nonsense kind of thought uh, that uh, stuck in my head was the fact that in the fourth innings there were two bowlers who uh, bowled all the overs that were bowled and between them they bowled nine and between them they bowled 19 overs which is one less than a 2020 <laughs> and uh, this reminded me of uh, 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 some people um, who uh, you know while just free uh, free wheeling and 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 just uh, uh, talking loosely some of my friends there uh, they say that in 2020 like there should not be Uh, a restriction on how many um, overs or how many balls a bowler gets to bowl and then yeah that was probably just uh, some of my stupid friends saying stupid things but uh, looking at this coda it, it it reminded me of those conversations absolutely look while we were talking i was able to look it up so the last time it happened was in 2019 when england blew ireland away for 38 in the fourth innings where it was broad and works bowling the quota before that the previous time it happened was england and new zealand where new zealand two bowlers uh, blew um, england away so for 58 so it was in new zealand in 2018 where bold and saudi blew new england away for 58 in the first morning right so in any case 
it's very it doesn't happen very often we one things it doesn't stay in one's mind but apparently it happens more often than not but so the interesting thing is uh between let's say 1956 and 94 there were no occasions when it happened where just two bowlers bowled the uh, entire innings right unchanged almost so in this case it was hardly even 20 overs and if you go back to the past five instances they have been hardly you know 20 22 overs has been every one of those has been 20 22 overs so it's not like a marathon effort where uh, if you go a bit further back in history there have been instances of for example 46 overs 48 overs where just two bowlers have bowled right you can imagine in a spin uh, friendly condition that's even possible i don't know if fast bowlers would be able to carry on to bowl 40 in a row or so that would be very tough but nonetheless to be frank with you i missed all the party party period the entire party period i missed looks like because i got a bit busy with work and so i told you south africa for 126 for two then i could only see the end of the day's play and then next morning i remember thinking ah the game will start just now let's leave it for a 45 minute period and then let's catch up and there was nothing left after that unfortunately <laughs> the game was over it was a bit shocking to see that you know after having fought so well you know for a team that's been doing so well there are these reverses right they have to just believe in themselves they just have to say they're going to bounce back in the second test what i see for test cricket being played in south africa there are always a lot of results every game most more or less offers a result so if they do well they have every chance of taking a test back in the very next test and not very long ago sri lanka beat south africa at home right and india had a chance but for a slightly dull session in the second test recently india could have taken that series as well so a lot to look forward to if you're a bangladeshi fan so you can always tell your friends that you know there's such a lot riding on this no need to worry and it'll come good right so i i most definitely feel uh, bangladesh have turned a corner as a team and whatever is going to happen from here on in so look there is no question of taking bangladesh lightly when they play at, at home that's beside the point right but even when teams are touring or even when bangladesh teams touring abroad most teams will not take them lightly anymore because they have a very competent bowling lineup they have a lot of experience in the middle order they didn't have shakib alas in this game probably things could have changed if he was there right so plenty to look forward to there from the bangladeshi fan perspective i would say right and usually the shorter the game the better they are as well so there's a world cup in australia uh, with a competent pace attack nobody can write them off there either uh, when we talk of australia i think the next thing we can discuss is the um, amazing world cup final so i understand again because of the time difference potentially you did not catch too much of it i think but what are your thoughts on the game yeah like i said uh, i could catch all the uh, women's world cup matches only through the highlights and uh, uh, they were fun um the highlights were fun they the the um, the highlights uh, um, clearly revealed uh, the high quality of of cricket that took place and uh, also uh, 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 the reporting on 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 the matches uh, uh, suggested that so uh, yeah my thoughts on the match australia like take any australian team uh, 1990s 2000s women's men's uh boys i don't know um uh what other kinds of australian cricket teams there are but all australian teams of all time of all uh, genders and uh, and like manners they are good at playing the big matches well um that seems to be like a recurring theme uh, they could uh, be really bad throughout the tournament but as as 
as long as soon as long as they reach the final you can be sure that uh, they are, they are not going to bungle it up and uh, several other teams uh, you know not naming names they could uh, be playing well uh, throughout the tournament but something happens to them they get the big match jitters australia uh-huh. never get big big match jitters absolutely so that for me was one takeaway one thought that came to my mind after uh, um watching the highlights and after learning about the results as uh, you mentioned i did not catch most of the match the other thing uh, 170 was one less than 171 and that was something that was a thought that came to my mind uh, as an indian person <laughs> every every indian fan that i spoke to spoke about that 171 of harman preet because it was also made against australia right so there was a bit of that but i i just think this is this is potentially one of the best innings played in a final right up there with what viv richards did to england all those years back right or clive lloyd again it was a innings in a final right and then of course ricky ponting to india so the question i have to ask you before we go any further is what is what is it with australian wicket keepers destructive openers who sort of somehow wake up so i think adam gilchrist did it once or twice where he would be not really getting his things right during the entire tournament come the knockouts the semi finals quarter finals finals he suddenly wakes up and alisa hill did the same she scored like literally 300 runs in those two games and both were literally match winning knocks as well as natsi were played and as bravely as england chased you knew even halfway at the lunch break you already knew this is going to take something really really special for england to pull it back and 99 out of 100 you don't see that happening and it didn't right Natsi were played a gem by the way herself and uh, well done to England by the way whose campaign was sort of dead in the water right and out of nowhere they sort of rejuvenated it or very much like Pakistan of uh, you know the 1992 world cup they rejuvenated it they came back they reached the semi finals they reached the final you thought there was a potentially a fairy tale ending there but uh, this australian team you know i read another statistic in an entire world cup cycle they have just lost two games 75 odis they have just lost two games so this is definitely a team of pedigree right uh, beat men women doesn't matter i can't see many teams having this sort of a run internationally what a team and look even their best player right elisa perry who was sort of reduced to a bit part player in the final because of her uh, injury and stuff injury. so right you have L- lining who didn't do much like muni did a bit ains did a bit the top 3 sort of finished the game off by the time the top 3 were out they already had more than 300 on the board and with power to spare like four or five overs to spare anything could have happened and that's what it did so i think england looked a bit shell shocked especially people like anya shropsol who bowled really well in the finals right and sophie eccleston so for me she was the bowler of the tournament except for this final burst by alisa healy in the last two games for me she was the bowler of the tournament and potentially the player of the tournament as well and then this happens the way how clinically they took her apart the openers they had come in with a plan how to tackle her never let her settle down we saw batters running at her all the time changing her length so once she sort of sets into her rhythm right she even bowls the last couple of overs in the innings for england she sort of that accurate they never let her settle 10 or 71 for one and i think they have the wood on her the australian batters have the wood on her throughout so all through the ashes she was not allowed to really succeed well she came into her own in world cup again in the final she runs up against australia right england did their bit Uh, they had many people contributing on either side of what nat nat shiver did but look megan shoot and darcy brown will not leave it yeah when you have such a such a total on board and then alana king had the 
had the freedom the leg break bowler to toss it the ball up right then you had talia magrach control and of course jason osman as well pitched in so all in all this is not a completely unpredictable result only thing if england could have kept their wickets one thought there was still a possibility in terms of the number of balls left in the t20 right was still possible but they had to go for it there was no stopping you had to continue to score runs if that meant you lost wickets you lost it so australia who didn't look like losing a single game didn't they just went on on that uh, wagon they have they finished winners of the tournament um any thoughts from your side maybe about the other teams you saw maybe india uh yes india did well but you know me being an you know indian fan and all i don't know uh, how inflated uh, uh, the quality of of in- india's performance was in my head because i was not watching the matches live so i was not really getting a good sense of what was happening on the field uh, i was only following them through highlights and reports but uh, uh, yeah india uh, was in the reckoning for uh, 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 for a good part of of the tournament until they weren't uh and uh, that has been india in all tournaments i mean they uh, they continue to uh, maintain a high standard uh but um, they haven't quite made the last mile uh, yet again and uh, i really hope uh, that uh, uh, they, uh that the next time they play the world cup or another global tournament uh, they do that they do uh, you know go ahead and do that uh, they do run the last mile uh just a word about england uh, of course the headline is that australia won and then uh, the headline is uh, um healy's big century but let's not forget that while chasing in a world cup final uh england came as far as 285 which is no mean feat while chasing 356 they were only uh, what is it 7 71 short and that's no mean feat and yeah of course nate sivers uh, century was scored um, at a strike rate of 122 in an odi which is no mean feat yeah. so uh, yeah uh, i i uh, for the first uh, few days for the uh, for the longest time after the finals uh, the impression in my head was that australia thumped england black and blue but that was not the case if you look at the scorecard if you um, if you think about it england uh, gave them a pretty darn tough fight indeed but i think uh, sort of all the time from the ashes australia still have that that uh, you know that confidence that they've beaten england and they probably still carry it on and it remains to be seen what happens to this i would rather use the word dynasty this is like a such a dynasty that they have set up that 75 games two losses that's crazy and um, like most runs they will also probably come to an end but at least as long as this group is going strong you still see some, most of the players having a few years and the succession seems to be taking in place i mean the succession planning also is in place where many players have already so for elisa perry who might one day retire there is atalia magrath already in the wings and already performing and so on and so on and so on so plenty plenty to look forward to from the australian team as well yeah, ajit i wanted I, i would love to hear your, your thoughts on this what you call dynasty uh, do you think that's just uh, the kind of sporting culture that exists in australia like in the face of of, of adversity they harden up uh they get fired up 25% extra is that what it is because there seems to be a recurring theme like i said across different kinds of australian teams different eras of australian cricket absolutely i think it's in their uh, culture so the culture is all about being tough so you know probably uh, when the going gets tough the tough go shopping or whatever whatever the saying is right so uh, they are built like that i think the actual saying is the tough go get, get going. going right so i made a joke i know but that's the culture there and the point is they just say 
let's make the other party earn the victory let's start there right to give another example if you know how nadal plays when it's not his day that's what he does he just starts making you play one additional point one additional rally per point and half a set later you're actually tired he has got into your head that's what he did to federer for a while right and even sometimes to djokovic so but at the end of the day that's the australian mentality where you say first of all they have invested a lot from grassroots cr- cricket up they have built a wbbl which rivals the bbl they have the men's bbl and on top of it i think their processes are very good for example what i said about succession planning for about what i said about everything they lead even in terms of the contracts the conditions that are offered in the contracts for women everything is sort of up there and they are sort of the standard now that other boards can follow so for us it's a gripe really i don't want to go there too much but india could do a lot more for example with the earnings they have and uh, instead of being just a you know csr thing they should do a bit more with women's cricket but if we leave that apart even england has invested a lot right england has a lot of equally good tournaments the 100 is for both there's a flagship t20 tournament apart from that and so on so but in the end what separates australian teams and you sometimes see this also in south african teams is they will just fight till the bitter end so to say and for example when you're on the way down so these this these things happen cyclically so you you could be on the top for a while and then slowly the players get old and that that winning uh, era is slightly coming to an end what happens is then you start scrapping if you start scrapping probably you'll not hit a rock bottom but the next up the next uh, you know rise in the uh, era will appear much sooner in the horizon then you let it go and then you let some of the players ride into the horizon on their reputation and so on so if you remember the culture is also a bit strict about certain things for example steven war was told you are on your last uh, chance here you, whether you win the game whether you draw the game you'll have to think about your career after this right so you'll see this time and time again where um, the culture is also a little bit unforgiving in terms of even their heroes there is yeah. a there is a hero glorification but only up to a point right so all of these is sort of inbuilt into the culture itself if you have ever played with an aussie at any level at least i've had the opportunity to play with a few australians in the club scene you see they have a different culture and they'll say you know what even if it's run a ball even if they have eight wickets in hand let's see if we can make them panic mm-hmm. even if there is a few runs left if they have five wickets in hand let's take a wicket na let's take one wicket let's not give them the victory easily so that that scrapping mentality that's what that's what differentiates the, every australian team i think it and it pervades across all sports i'd rather say true true well put well put let's move on to the other international cricket that's currently going on well i would like to before we leave the shores of southern hemisphere i think let's have a quick chat also about the new zealand and netherland game we both live in the netherlands and well netherlands yeah. have so far not really acquitted themselves well when it comes to their tour of new zealand so the third odi happened recently so uh, in the third odi um, again so you don't expect that netherlands will beat new zealand easily but what we expect as fans of the netherland cricket team is that they compete well right and in every game i saw they were not able to do that and the third game was no different because look they first of all considered 333 and that um in the second game they had a good chance so the captain sort of played a really good innings uh, tom leatham and took New Zealand to a competitive score, which was on that pitch was a tough score. Again, the same thing happened. There were two hundreds right in the top three. So William made two hundreds, 
in the series. Guptil made 100, finally came good. But Guptil took his time, really. He was not the Guptil who was like the destroyer who would score 115, 125 balls. No, this guy took time. But, you know, he knew that New Zealand sort of were in a bit of trouble after that. So they could not kick on. So it was Ross Taylor's farewell game. They had a bit of emotion there, right? I think Ross Taylor hit a six as well in his own style. I think he does the swipe to leg. He did that, hit a six. That was nice to see. But their middle order also didn't stand up. So in the end, Ish Sodhi and then Laytham himself who came well down the order like a keeper. And then Bracewell, all of these people chipped in a little and sort of got them to 333. So there again, probably, first of all, uh, Netherlands ended up conceding about 10-20 runs too much. Something that looked like 280-290 suddenly became 300-333. And then in their chase, they started really well. So when you see their 81 for no loss in the 12th over. And again, one of the top three needed to carry on. So uh, there are a couple of youngsters here, Vikram Singh and Bas Delida, whom uh, at least Vikram Singh I've seen from many years already. So I've been lucky enough to see him play and uh, very, very talented lad. I mean, here he builds the bowlers all over the park. But I think there is a certain adjustment required when you go the next level. So the bowlers are also doing that learning. And it's another thing to hit an international bowler all over the park. The big, strong lad, very young, still only 19. So I'm thinking he is a long-term prospect for Netherlands. But what he probably can also build in is uh, the attitude that he'll stick it out. Right? He's done well. He's played 50 balls in most games he played here. But I would say he needs to double that. He needs to think of 100 balls. And with his hitting power, he will catch up. So even if he's scoring at 50-60 by the time he's pressed 60 balls, by the time he's finished playing 100 balls, he'll probably score at a 80-90 strike rate. That, that's what Netherlands needed here. Because, look, there was a 32 from Logan Van Beek. Michael Rippon, who was good in the second game, made 24 only. Bastelida and then Vikram Singh 20s. And only 150, Stephen Myberg. So I noticed this also in the previous um, tournament they played and they lost that series. There were hardly any 50-plus scores. So there was only uh, like a handful you could count on one hand, like very few 50 plus scores. So that's one of the things that need to change. So plenty, I think plenty for the Netherlands team to learn. I'm curious what you thought about this whole uh, you know game and maybe I don't know if you got to follow it. Yes, uh, I do not want to sugarcoat it. I was disappointed. I am kind of, uh, uh, I'm quite invested in Dutch cricket. Uh, and uh, I was disappointed because uh, it's fine to uh, to be bowling to uh, New Zealand and conceding 333. Uh, well, 333 is, is maybe a bit on the higher side. But uh, yes, uh, this was not very far off from 300. So that's okay. You kind of expect that. You kind of uh, plan around that possibility. That's a very real possibility. So that's fine. But uh, while chasing it... Uh, you should expect yourself, you should like get yourself, you should set yourself a target uh, to at least um, uh, uh, run uh, less than 100 runs uh, to the target. Uh, we fell short over here. We lost by 115, I reckon, 120. That's not good enough. Uh, too many batters from our side. Uh, they had very low strike rates. And of course, uh, as you said, that uh, if Vikramjit had played another like 20 deliveries, his uh, strike rate would have gone up a bit. But uh, 25 of, of 47 is not good enough. I mean, uh, I understand that there is a switch that needs to happen when you uh, go from playing um, uh, in like domestic cricket in the Netherlands or playing some of the 
lesser experienced teams to when you play new zealand in new zealand there is a bit of a switch and one cannot expect the uh, performance performances the batting performances especially to uh, to translate like for like but 25 of, of 47 and uh, from uh, victim jeet and 21 of 35 or something from bas uh that's that's not good enough uh and i'm not picking on these guys i'm i'm not going um uh only of uh, the performances uh, only of the performances uh, of uh, uh, the dutch team in this particular match but i see a pattern um the dutch team like uh, uh, the dutch batting when they uh, open they feel the need they feel the incentive the pressure whatever it is to um, maintain a healthy strike rate and then and then uh, there seems to set in a tendency um, to play within their shells to uh, sort of get into a shell of sorts and uh, there seems to be a thinking that it is okay to um, uh, to uh, deal in just ones and twos in in uh, you know in the middle overs um hoping and expecting and uh, thinking that they will be able to more than make up for that in the final overs uh, that kind of that uh, thinking that kind of planning of an odi innings does not seem to be uh, in sync with the times does not seem to be in sync with the modern game so uh, yes there are some positives to take stefan myberg's uh, uh, you know innings for example as good as any that i have seen uh, in the recent past uh but uh there were a few things uh that uh, i thought were disappointing indeed i mean i think you put it quite succinctly there's a lot this 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 setup will have to do um i think uh the coach is already under a bit of fire i don't know if he'll hang on to his role for much longer but if not him who else but also what is what is the way the team should go i think the culture has to reinvent itself a little bit where you know uh, what I said previously, learn to scrap a little bit. Don't let the things go easily if possible, right? But then uh, let's also be frank, the, the quality of cricket, uh, top class uh, and other things also has to improve. And uh, there are some systemic problems here. So it's, it's it's not that easy to simply, you know, you can always import players, but at the end of the day, your homegrown players also need to be up to scratch. right? So yeah. that's, that's a longer discussion. So um, uh, if you don't mind, there's just one thing I would like to add. Uh, having said that, like having spoken, uh, having spoken about um, uh, this particular game and perhaps this particular series or the past few matches, I stand by uh, you know what I said. But um, uh, if you look under the hood of what's going on uh, with Dutch cricket or associate cricket in general, these guys are not getting uh, these guys are not getting a lot of, of matches under the belt. Uh, the Netherlands or any other associate team in the past two years, when um, the bigger teams they have been, where they have been, uh, um, um, like you know, from a strictly cricket point of view, life has been going on as normal. They have been playing their IPLs, their PSLs, or uh, their bilateral fixtures, creating bio bubbles. For the associate teams, it's not possible to uh, to you know do that given the economics of it. So if you look at the sheer number of match days these guys have had under the belt over the past two years. This is uh, the highest level of the sport. This is professional cricket. That will have a certain amount of impact, which uh, no team would be able to defy. And the Dutch haven't been able to do that as well. So that is a disclaimer I would like to uh, to put next to uh, what I said in response to your previous question. Well, I agree to that up to a point. But when you look at how teams like Nepal, TNG, Namibia have also been competing. so. I do understand they may not get many games against the 
top leagues top nations it 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 is something that's really uh, rare and it's not nice that's a, again another concern and something icc will have to look into but for me today nepal namibia are already right up there as well so you could still play more games with these two teams you could have trilat- trilaterals or bilaterals and uh, i also remember not very long ago new netherlands visited nepal and were beaten there as well so there's already a gap in the cricket and nepal has a probably an equally comparable amount of uh, cricket community and number of players and so on and of course look they also are in the shadow of another cricketing giant there every every sure. country around them is a cricketing giant there so that's another story but all in all all i'm trying to say is the system have has to improve and the system itself has to take a look at itself and then say how can we make become better because uh, this in itself is it's it's not going anywhere so uh, Uh, they'll have to do a probably a top down complete uh, overhaul if required right and then maybe a different thought process as well as a different training methodology so that the players get that little bit of steel nothing more sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but yeah why not right all right uh, now if you move on to the other international cricket so i would like to go through the third odi between pakistan and uh, australia because you know uh, it's a very nice tour that Uh, australia are currently just wrapped up i must say they just finished the tour right it's no more on, ongoing so uh, they played their uh, only t20 today but the third odi was a bit of a disappointment if you're an australia fan because uh, australia started the odi tournament really strongly they won the first game but then second game even though they put up a really strong total pakistan managed to chase it down thanks to it was their highest uh, recorded chase for pakistan in an odi thanks to hundreds by hundreds by babar azam as well as um, imamul haq and these same both batsmen had a bumper game the third one as well but the credit for me goes to the bowlers so again australia batted first three times out of three but in this case the bowlers limited australia to 210 and it was not like australia were ever going anywhere so they had a couple of good scores right so uh, ben mcdermott who had made 100 in the second game at 36 alex carry made 56 green and abbot who almost contributed most games also contributed a little but look they were going nowhere and they didn't even last their 50 overs so they were all out with like eight overs spare eight overs to spare and a lot of credit there first of all the fast bowlers so the fast bowlers were under a bit of fire uh, sort of missing out in terms of uh, performing but then mohammad wasim junior he's he's a youngster he's hardly 20 21 he took 3 and then shahin shah afridi who's like a international star now took 2 and haris raf very very good in the limited overs format haris raf he took 3 and then well supported by the spinners so they played with four uh, full time bowlers and a all rounder in iftikhar ahmed and everybody chipped in beautifully so all that meant is they needed 211 to win and that was not going to be difficult for the form the pakistani top order was in and even though fakhar zaman failed imamul haq finished 89 not out and babar azam 100 and that's about it so they won that series quite comfortably did you catch the odi series at all yes i did i mean again the timing was not all that uh, you know uh, it was not all that inconvenient like uh, the matches going on uh, um, in new zealand the women's world cup uh, and the bilateral uh, between new zealand and the netherlands so yeah i i did manage to follow some of the matches uh, my impression is that uh, odi is the format where the pakistani team seems to be the most comfortable um, i also get that impression about bangladesh but that's another team another story i really think that uh, the pakistani batsmen 
look at Babar Azam for example. He's like one of the best in the world, if not the best. at this moment, uh, like on current form, he's probably the best in the world. But there's a huge difference in the limited overs format. There's a huge difference between how effective and how comfortable he looks in T20 and ODIs. In ODIs, he is the boss mm-hmm. because uh, he's got that extra time to sort of settle himself in to uh, play a number of uh, of you know deliveries before uh, before coming into his own. He he seems to like this format. And uh, uh, also, uh, like every time Pakistan have a good third bowler. Because uh, Pakistan have have always had a great two bowlers, two great bowlers, and every time a third third bowler puts his hand up and does well. So for the long time, uh, uh, that bowler was Hasan Ali, and uh, he was uh, the reason for much of Pakistan's success uh, in ODI cricket. And uh, in this match, Mohammad Vasim Jr. did well. Uh, he bowled really well. He posed a threat. He was not just a holding good holding third bowler, but he posed a uh, uh, he posed a threat of sorts. And then, uh, um, and then, yeah, and uh, and so Pakistan really dominated. So, uh, yeah, this series for me, even the first match that they lost, Pakistan competed quite well. ODI seems to be their format, and I don't know uh, what more to say about Babar Azam and Shahin Shah Afridi that has already not been said by people who are better with words. <laughs> well said. All right. So from that, we move on to the T Twenty I, the only T Twenty I. So in this case, uh, again, it was a uh, very interesting topsy-turvy game. So Pakistan started really strongly. So up until the let's say the eleven, twelfth over, they had set up a very strong target, a uh, very strong total, and Babar Azam was unbeaten. And so he had already a fifty in his name, and there were hitters to come, right? Kushal Shah, Asif Ali, Hasan Ali. You would expect maybe they would make one eighty plus, but then Australian bowlers pulled them back. Thanks to Nathan Ellis, who was also very good in the one day, as by the way, and uh, Sean Abbott again, a star performer. Zampa went for a bit of runs initially, but then he pulled it back very nicely towards the end, right? So and Green, so what a revelation this guy has been. Cameron Green is now looking so settled in the Australian lineup. Now he's an all-format player. He looks comfortable in each format, and I think he made crucial runs in the ODIs as well. And um, when you look at it, he was also chipped in with two wickets today. So um, that was all very crucial work. From over number twelve to twenty, that made sure Pakistan did not cross one hundred and eighty, and you know, get that confidence that they had the bowling uh, to you know sort of defend it. When it came to their turn to bat, Australia started very strongly. So the top three put in a lot of hard work, just like Pakistan did. So they had reached ninety, uh, uh, but already in the tenth over. So when Maras Labushin was out, they had already ninety five on the board in the eleventh over, and um, that meant even though there were steady loss of wickets, I think Finch did enough. Finch stayed almost till the end of the score and end of the chase. There were five runs required when he got out, so he more or less did the job. But then there was always a little bit of you know what if with Shahin Shafri the bowling the Nandithor and some other possibilities. But I think this, as you say, this Australian team is hard bitten enough that Ben McDermott, uh, who's had a very good um, one-day series, he finished it off and he hit a uh, you know the winning run very easily and off nineteen point one. So that means you know. in this entire extended tour rarely you get these tours these days where all three formats are played and um, australia took the series 3-2 i would say because they won one test one odi and one t20i so pakistan took the two odis so 3-2 but also if you look at how the uh, women's ashes are counted where the whole series is counted on points so australia won on points as well so rarely do 
uh, Australia and other teams, the Sena teams come to Asia and walk away with the entire series like that. So very, very well done to Australia. Well, they have some concerns. The form of uh, Finch is a concern. But the way their test team played and the ODI team as well is shaping up, I think Finch will eventually find his form. I think they back him because he's a World Cup winning captain. You don't want to make any changes going into a World Cup, which is coming. I think uh, they are nicely set up. What do you feel? Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. I think so. I think uh, Australia had the better of Pakistan for most of their tour. And uh, of course, they won only one test. But uh, uh, for um, uh, the greater part of the series, of the test series, the ODI series, I mean, they were always in the game. Except maybe the uh, second ODI, uh, except maybe the third ODI, perhaps, where they kind of folded, uh, batting-wise and bowling-wise. Uh, which is okay. They were away. They will have been living in a bio-bubble, these kind of conditions. And also, uh, in the ODIs, they were missing a lot of key players. Like, uh, uh, normally, Hazelwood would be in the team and, you know, that would make a huge difference. Warner would be there. That would make a huge difference. Uh, so, given all that, Australia should be flying out of uh, Lahore, uh, a happy unit. Uh, and, uh, yeah, this particular ODI, I think uh, I was watching it just before we started recording. Uh, there was a bit of a hiccup uh, towards the end, and uh, in the last over, like in the second last over, I think Shaheen bowled and he took he snagged a couple of wickets uh, as uh, he can at any given point of time. And I was like, oh boy! <laughs> but then, uh, thankfully, uh, this um, this Ben McDermott guy, he uh, he kept a cool head. Uh, he kept his uh, his wits about himself, and he made sure that there was no upset, there was no last minute, there was no last minute surprise. Pakistan were not pulling out any last-minute uh, rabbits out of their hat. It, it 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 was good fun. About I think the third quarter of Australia's innings was a bit boring because uh, things were just going on, you know, autopilot. But uh, the last quarter was fun. Before we move on from Australian cricket, uh, the Australian uh, first-class tournament, the Sheffield Shield, has just concluded. Uh, the final was held between Western Australia and Victoria. So uh, I also follow sort of first class cricket most parts of the world and it's very it's very fascinating. You get to see that steel day in day out if you follow this tournament and uh, Western Australia have taken the uh, trophy based on their first innings lead. So again, um, you know, at, at sort of 307 for 7, they were fading. Western Australia batted first and that's when uh, Rocky Cioli, I hope I pronounced the name correct, a bowler batting at number 10 came and caned a 50 of just 29 balls. And then he made sure his team got to 386 from a potential, I don't know, 310, 320, right? And then when it came their turn to bowl, he took two wickets as well. And so the Western Australian team competed and they contributed everywhere. And they managed to secure a first innings lead of 80, right? Again, um, Victoria were actually the form team. They looked really strong. And most people would have expected Victoria to take the tournament. But... Um, you know, uh, they sort of failed a little from 262 for five, the 262 for four potentially. Uh, they had uh, Mitchell Perry at 74 not out and Madinson, Nick Madinson, who's a very experienced player playing as, uh, at six. And Harper, their keeper can bat and Will Sutherland is a good all-rounder. So it was expected from that point on, they would take the lead and then potentially that would finish the game, right? Uh, it would finish on a first innings lead. That's when again, sort of Western Australia struck and then it became like a shootout. There was not enough time left. And Western Australia just batted out a lot of time. And Aaron Hardy, who batted at 7 for Western Australia in the second innings, made 174 not out. 
so they didn't need the final innings because there was not going to be enough time uh, they would have given their opposition something like 35 40 overs and that would not have been enough for results so that two teams shook their hands uh, on a draw but based on first innings leave western australia to the tournament just just a round up because i followed uh, this as well so again all of this is available on the cricket australia app you can hear uh-huh. to the commentary live fantastic so, i have i have a question to you uh, uh, uh-huh. uh, to you about this match uh, since you have been following uh, domestic cricket in various countries over the years but australia as well scott bowlin mm-hmm. five wickets in the match mm-hmm. were you surprised that he was not uh, taken to pakistan uh, look it is not a question of surprise i am thinking he's more horses for courses when it comes to certain sort of pitches um he's a very experienced bowler by the way he's a journeyman but mm. for me uh, he would not necessarily suit all pitches he was more like um you know if you remember mohammad abbas from pakistan yeah he's more like that but he's a little bit faster so you already have a hazelwood who does the same thing in the australian setup currently bowland came in as a replacement if you remember during the ashes he ended up staying because he took a 6 for nothing or something and he played the last three tests so uh, for me um in theory bowland could have come in as one of the bowlers in the squad but i think this australian team uh, decided to pack more spinners into the squad rather than more faster bowlers because with cameron green sort of kicking on you have a person who can bowl lengths good test match lengths at 135 138 in cameron green who will play most games that's where you don't have the need for another uh, player like scott boland i think that's why he missed out but if they're touring sena countries i expect boland will tour uh what did you think of uh, the performance of australian spinners throughout the test series uh the last innings of the last test uh, performance by nathan lyon notwithstanding in in in, in all uh, frankness i think they were a bit anodyne throughout the series spinners on both sides by the way but with Lion really the most experienced bowler that I expected him to do more right but then it it turned out that the pitches were a bit flat so the uh, other leg break bowler is sort of on a learning tour i don't expect him to really take pocket full of wickets and that's not even if it starts that way it might not end very well if you remember what happened to hirwani lakshman shiva and so on and so on right so i i let leg break bowlers take their time first two years i don't look too much swepson did all all right he doesn't have that experience he's no adam zampa and adam zampa is definitely a limited overs bowler right so when it comes to australian spinners i think i expected a little bit more out of lan but then given the conditions he hung in there he was also a little bit unlucky at times but he stood up when it mattered the last day of the series he made sure his team won the game and the series because there was only one result he made sure he was there so in theory you could say well did they perform as well as for example maharaj and uh, armor did for south africa no they didn't they didn't uh, but then the conditions were not always very conducive but i think when it mattered they stood up they got the job done landed true true moving on if you look at the other uh, cricket we've uh, sort of more or less left everything else we've sort of covered everything else we left the big white elephant to the end i call that's what i call it the ipl i think we can go through the last three games three very very crucial games because again uh, csk have not started well this is sort of a trope now i mean who would read much into it so first of all before we go too deep into ipl games do you follow the ipl do you like the ipl and do you have a favorite team 
I do follow the IPL. Uh, uh, it's good fun. Uh, it's something that is always on for uh, two months or so. And uh, uh, often it is good for me. It is often like uh, good white noise to be um, happening in the background, which is uh, <laughs> uh, uh, which is not to sort of playing down uh, the quality of of, uh, of of the cricket that happens there, but somehow it happens over such a long period uh, that um, I cannot be that invested for uh, the entire length of the tournament. Uh, having said that, um, uh, I do think that some of the matches that I have watched over the years have been really good. And uh, uh, after I just come back from work, that's when uh, the second part of the second innings is going on. And uh, that is usually an interesting part of the match. So I end up watching it almost on a daily basis. Uh, my favorite team is Bangalore for no reason. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but, uh, it could be that the only time um, uh, the only time I have um, uh, I've been to a stadium in India and watched a match uh, is in Bangalore, uh, and I lived close to uh, to Bangalore for three years, so I have a soft spot for Delhi, where I uh, have spent some of my life, and uh, Bangalore, where I have also spent a substantial amount of my life. Uh, if uh, the city of uh, the great city of you know Patna uh, you know ever gets an IPL team, I'll be uh, rooting for them, I'll be firmly behind them. But for now, I love Delhi and I love Bangalore. Good to hear. So at least uh, two of your teams are featuring here. Two of your favorite teams. So yeah. in the games that we want to discuss. So look, uh, earlier on, uh, Delhi had a game against Gujarat Titans. It was a tight game, but uh, you know, uh, Shubman Gill uh, made a very very uh, nice score and made sure you know uh, Gujarat Titans had enough that they tied Delhi down in spite of a wonderful, wonderful effort by Pant. I think they couldn't get across the line. Then came this game, uh, Rajasthan Royals versus Mumbai Indians, a very, very crucial game where, again, Butler, he, he has a way of batting. He starts big, then he consolidates in the middle overs, then goes big again at the end. right? And then, um, so he made 100, batting beautifully. And then the bowlers of Rajasthan Royals, I think um, he may have had a bad day today, Prasit Krishna, but I think he's, have, he's having a wonderful tournament so far. And he made sure him and the other fast bowlers along with him made sure. And with Yuzvendra Chahal, they have, again, a striking weapon in a leg break bowler. And he bowled very well. And they made sure Mumbai couldn't finish that chase. Mumbai are very good at finishing chases with Pollard and some big hitters coming in. They didn't, they didn't allow that to happen. So then comes this other game where, you know, Chennai have already lost two out of two. They're playing Punjab Kings. And sort of this previously used to always be the sort of games which used to provide turning points for a team like Chennai or Mumbai, you know, they play against a team like uh, Punjab Kings. And uh, this year, I see Punjab Kings is a slightly different beast altogether. So something has changed. So in one of our previous episodes, we heard that they have hired an analyst who's very good. And he's been pointing at certain players because this is an auction year. They made sure they got his inputs at the end of last year. And they chose accordingly, even including uh, the choice of skipper and the choice of key personnel, your leadership group and so on. So now this is a slightly different Different sort of a Punjab team. So you see that on, on paper as well as in action. Because in this game, they batted first, they made 180. So it was just the sheer quality of Chennai bowling that made sure they didn't cross into 200s. Because I, I thought in the end, Jordan bowled fantastically. Jordan and Pretorius, they bowled fantastically. I think on the other hand, having inherited a team just before the tournament started, Jadeja is looking a little lackluster as a skipper. right? And unfortunately, yeah. whether it's because of this or not, Jadeja, the player, also has gone into the shadow. You would expect Jadeja 
to actually contribute. You also see him batting a little higher than he's normally used to. He used to be the finisher for a couple of series. Chennai couldn't get going at all. Shivam Dube made a wonderful 57 and Mahindra Singh Dhoni sort of started posting that rare guard that he does. But I don't think Dhoni has the wherewithal to finish these sort of games anymore. Unfortunately. And uh, you had people like Jordan, Pretorius, Bravo. One of these needed to provide that that big hits once Dube was dismissed. When that didn't happen, uh, the writing was pretty much on the wall. right? So again, fantastic bowling. So Ashdeep Singh, I thought bowled well in the middle overs. Kagiswara Bada started well. Vaibhav Arora, a new bowler who was sort of debuting, made, made wonderful, wonderful impression. I thought very, very assured debut. And Odin Smith, Rahul Chahar and Liam Livingston. So for me, the real story lay there. So Odin Smith has been performing really well most games. He's played all three, either with the bat or the ball. He's a very impactful player, right? And then Rahul Chahar is a much improved bowler. He's learning all the time. He took three wickets. And Liam Livingston was the surprise package. So he took two wickets with his uh, licorice all sorts spin. In most cases, once the Chennai engine gets going, they would pull these games through. But in this case, they couldn't. Any thoughts on this? Yes, uh, uh, like a few thoughts. Uh, my impression is that the T20 is a game of hyper-specialization. And Ravindra uh, Jadeja, for the past few tournaments, had uh, settled quite well into his role as a finisher. I think he was batting at number seven. Now he's batting at number five. Uh, I think that can be quite a switch in the T20 format. In the ODI format, perhaps not so much. So uh, this is not working out. I don't know how, how, how much time he had to prepare for this uh, new position, this uh, new style of play that he had to ease into. Uh, so yeah, so far, clearly it has not been working out. I hope it does for him. I quite like him as a player. I'm very pleasantly surprised by the development of Shivam Dubey. When I first saw him, I think I first saw him as part of the Indian team when he, we were playing Sri Lanka uh, in some uh, bilateral series that uh, we had on five times a year. Uh, and um, uh, he seemed to be a player who would favor the leg side a bit too much. So he seemed to have like one shot, the big heave hole to the leg side and not much else. Uh, but this time around, his offside game seems to have improved quite a lot. He does not move his feet much, but he uh, he has you know other things uh, that get the job done. So that's great. He's had two good matches, and uh, and that's good to see. That's good for Chennai. I'm not a big fan of uh, this Dhoni, this version of Dhoni, the post 2017 kind of Dhoni. I'm going to get a. I I keep getting a lot of flack for saying this, but this version of Dhoni gets on my nerves. This innings that he played in, in this particular match and the kind of, you know, innings that Polar played in, in the other match that you mentioned, they get on my nerves that, like, you know, they are just blocking deliveries, uh, sort of counting on the fact that um, in the last few ones, they will uh, they will make up for everything. I don't think the game should be played like that. Uh, yeah, these for me were the impressions from, uh, from this particular match. Livingston is living up to his reputation. It does not often happen that... Uh, players uh, who are brought to the IPL, uh, keeping the reputation in mind, live up to them uh, in these conditions. One more thing about the uh, IPL matches this time around is that I'm uh, I'm really presently surprised by the pitches. The last edition of the IPL, the India leg of it, in any case, last year, I did not like the kind of cricket those pitches were producing because uh, somebody could just come and roll their fingers and, you know, that would be it. Uh, like most batsmen would not be able to uh, to play those um, uh, to play those deliveries, and uh, that was making uh, the matches very predictable. And but this time around, there seems to be something in uh, the pitches for 
all parties involved the batsmen the bowlers the spinners uh, the pace bowlers have uh, we've been seeing a fair bit of swing and seam in the first few overs uh, and that is good that is something um, uh, that i like to see so yeah all in all i've been liking this edition of the ipl uh, much more than the previous two absolutely i think i was saving the discussion for pitches towards the end but it's a fantastic point that you make i think some of the pitches may have had a rejuvenation themselves all the time that they got outside of cricket thanks to covid and one reason or the other right so i heard this also on some other uh, analysis show similarly that maybe they worked on the pitches so that now the pitches are able to offer enough for fast bowling as well even in yesterday's game where you know it was uh, between uh, sunrisers and uh, lucknow super giants or today's game you saw fast bowlers always were in the game whenever the fast bowlers are in the game uh, even spinners are always in it because there is some bounce on offer whether you are a wrist spinner or a finger spinner there is plenty that you can extract off the pitch right so going back to the game between hyderabad and uh, lucknow super giants again this lucknow super giants seem to have come out really well if you listen to most of the pre tournament analysis they seem to have one of the more balanced sides and they also have a little bit of character because yesterday they were in a little bit of trouble so at 27 for 3 uh batting first things could have gone all pure shape you know they would have finished 100 and so on but they hung in there thanks to their skipper rahul who made a 68 of just 50 balls but then he had stout support from deepak huda so this guy seems to be picking at the right right time he's had an india debut as well and he he shows that he's a much improved cricketer and he scored a 50 and they have a baby ab of their own called aish badoni so this aish badoni guy again did his bit towards the end and they made sure you know those last three overs fetched an additional 10 runs or so which you would not expect in most cases thanks to some clever uh, batting it was going the way that you would expect bhuneshwar finished very strong and then i think uh, romario shepard had a good over as well so and natarajan bowled well so after the 16th over the, suddenly the runs dried up but then in the end baloni hit a little and um, i think krunal pandya swung one or two and holder who came out pretty much in the last over hit a six as well so that got them the rational 10 runs and that mattered in the end because the winning margin was 12 runs so sunrisers hyderabad again started sort of lukewarm somehow williamson is not able to find his feet and then he's been out in very unconventional ways so he this time he was try he was out trying to do dil scoop of sorts right abhishek sharma can't get going he has the strokes but i think much like you know for example anuj rawat in rcb a uh, left-handed batsman a young batsman who bats right at the top of the order he needs to just first dig in take a couple of games where it doesn't matter if you get to 20 ball 20 and then you have to trust yourself you have the strokes that you'll get going he needs one of those innings and he'll get going but then rahul tripathi is very very crucial man at number 3 for them he played another crucial knock 44 and i thought his association with Nicol- nicholas puran meant you know uh, there they had a good chance and with some hitting in washington sundar abdul samad and romario shepard to come you you expected now this is going to be a very good game but again towards the end uh, jason holder showed his experience right and then uh, pandya bowled one very crucial over and the main man who did all the damage was avesh khan avesh khan bowled beautifully towards the end he was unhittable he took uh, two wickets twice into uh, in the game so that so the that knockout blow for me was when he dismissed nicholas puran and took out abdul samad the next ball that meant you know two hitters were out one set batsman and another to come and washington sundar was left with too much to do and uh, nobody else got going and in the end jason holder showed his experience in the last over and that was that so 
Um, what could have been a slightly tight game? Again, they seem to win quite comfortably. Um, your thoughts on the game? Yeah, uh, I mean, one thing I would like to actually, it's a question for you. Some people I spoke to about the game, uh, they made a lot out of the uh, new rules that were uh, sort of played out in this particular game where the, it doesn't matter whether you cross or not. Uh, if if a batsman gets out, the new batsman who comes in, he has to face the bowler. And a lot of my friends, uh, yeah, presumably they were Sunrisers fan or what, they said that uh, if uh, Romario Shepard, because he had crossed, if uh, that tool was not there and if he had played the bowler, then things would have been different. My response to them was there is already a lot in the game that favors the batsman. You know, if there is one uh, change that comes in that favors the bowlers a little bit, he has taken a wicket, so he gets to bowl at a new batsman. That's okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? See, I agree with you. So, first of all, I'm a bit surprised that IPL is preempting this application of the rule because it's supposed to come into effect from October 1st of this year. But, okay, fine. They have, as a tournament, decided they want to preempt it. Okay, fine. And it is here to stay, this rule, right? So, I'm all in favor of it myself. So, it's all right. So, there's enough, as you said, in favor of batters. It's a short format game. The boundaries are in and you're going to hit a lot of runs. So, if there is anything done to actually sort of bring the field a little bit in balance back towards the bowlers, that should be okay. You would say that's possible, but I would still have backed Holder to have at least won the game with six or eight runs to spare, right? Romario Shepard would have got in one big hit. I would back him to do that. But then uh, I can't see him finish a game yet. He's not the finished article yet. He's not a Pollard yet. It, it would have mattered, but not as much as most people would like to think is my thought. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If that is the case, we can move on to the next game, the game that was played today. Again, probably something that uh, would have uh, warmed the cockles of your heart, I'm hoping, because it was uh, Royal Challenges Bangalore versus Rajasthan Royals. Uh, so, before we go into the game itself, what are your thoughts on the squad that RCB have put together this time? Uh, well, it seems to be working. Uh, they seem to be going, uh, like for the past several years, I've always felt, it always felt like they were always going in a bowler short, a bowler or two short. But this time around, uh, things uh, seem to be working out. Uh, Shiraj is, uh, is, is Shiraj, then uh, I think uh, uh, David Willey is, uh, is a good get. Uh, Akash Deep, he did, well, he had an expensive uh, final over today, but in uh, the previous matches, I think, like, he seems to uh, have uh, a good head on his shoulders, apart from uh, skills. And, uh, yeah, Hasranga is good. A lot of people think that uh, Hasranga uh, has come in uh, for Chehel, and uh, they uh, compare his inclusion, they see his inclusion in the side as... Um, something that was done uh, instead of, uh, uh, of of having Chahil in the side. I don't think uh, uh, that's how it should be seen. Uh, Harshal Patel, since last year, he has uh, he has continued his good work since last year. So the bowling seems a bit more firmed up. And I uh, suppose that feeling is there due to a combination of David Billy and uh, Hasaranga. I, I think that's good. And um, Dinesh Kartik proved today that... Um, uh, his inclusion in the side uh, was good. Like uh, uh, RCB getting him uh, was a good move. He has clearly shown his worth. And uh, really impressed by Shabazz Ahmed. Uh, he seemed to have all the shots, but also uh, he had the temperament. And uh, 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 he had the temperament to execute his shots uh, in uh, during uh, crucial moments. 
which is more than uh, uh, which is more than which is more than can be said about some of the younger players so yeah all in all good uh, uh, things seem to be going this season for rcb and it's not just because of some of the good results uh, we've had in uh, the few games that we've had so far absolutely i think you've hit on all the points i had in my mind as well uh, that combination of willy uh, and uh, siraj at the top seems to work right so siraj has the fire but willy has the nous he's able to swing the ball and uh, i thought rcb bowled really well throughout except for the last two overs where they leaked 43 runs butler going gaga and hitting five sixes right so which he does that's what he's waiting for but if you go up to that point if you remove 43 runs and go back to the 18th over the score is just in 120s that's fantastic bowling up until that point as well right so a lot of credit as you said to harshal patel as well who sort of really really moved up moved on kicked on akashdeep went for a few and siraj went for a few in the last two but i think they are also using david willy very cleverly where they are sort of bowling him out in the first 10 if possible already right because he swings the ball as long as the ball is new he has something to offer and he's a very very experienced t20 operator if siraj can find that additional gear which i am expecting he will then they are a really really tough unit to reckon with what with uh, glen maxwell as well coming back he would see somebody like sherfen rutherford or somebody going out to make room for him you still have a completely you know this this dormant giant sitting there called virat kohli i don't know if this dormancy is for good or something just something he'll shake off if it does can you imagine this batting lineup right so anuj rawat today had that sort of an innings you know 26 of 25 balls where he had four or five good shots and that's it another one of these he'll be set fafti plessy has the quality and i believe fafti plessy is a big match player what sort of rcb sometimes missed all that lives is the finisher role that's where it comes down to shahbaz ahmed and dinesh karthik so again in this game their middle order went uh, boom they we didn't see what happened to them they had lost 32 for 5 and the required was climbing to 9 and over and beyond right that's when these two got together and what a partnership right so if you can see 5 for 87 12 and a half overs right so you have 7 and a half overs and you have nearly 90 90 runs to get but no worries at all no panic these two added 70 runs nearly five six overs they added 70 runs that's fantastic batting and dinesh karthik made sure he stayed till the end right he stayed till the end and he was the person who hit those crucial blows in the 18th 19th to put the game outside you know a chance of losing as far as rcb were concerned so very mature chase so they may have not gotten their act together in the first game what i've seen so far from rcb is very encouraging but then if you're an rcb fan you know you are a cricket, cricket tragic i know i am one myself so uh, you're going to wait until about 10 games are over in the league status when the other bigger teams who are usually really really good in the knockouts wake up around then then they get into sort of a turbo mode they win three or four in a row and then come into knockouts and brush everybody aside then it's a mumbai chennai final right so i'm just waiting <laughs> i'm just waiting to see if that happens but so far so good if you're an rcb fan right yeah yeah uh, i have a question isn't i'm yeah i'm forgetting his name a friend from australia uh, a, a really improved t20 bowler whose name i also tai uh, handy to tai no no uh, one of the big three bowlers of australia hazelwood hazelwood isn't he going to be joining rcb soon i don't know when he's coming actually but you're right he's supposed to be joining rcb he was one of the big ticket purchases um i yeah. think he's he's going to come uh, to join rcb shortly and it will be a very very big deal as well because yeah. um yeah 
look, if that is the case, um, it'll have to be, um, you know, Akashdeep. Yeah, of course, the more costly Akashdeep or a slightly wavered Siraj. I don't see Willy being left out because of what he offers. But then you'll have to check the balance because for me, Glenn Maxwell is always a starter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, let's see what that means. Those are all the games you wanted to discuss. Some off-field news. So, first of all, Graham Thorpe has been named as the head coach of Afghanistan. Uh, he was sort of one of those people that was let go in the cleanup after the ashes. And also, I, I believe there was an incident with the cigar where police were involved and so on. But uh, I think that apart, uh, I think he, he brings a lot in terms of experience and also his coaching experience, not just as a player, right? So a nice man to be appointed at the right sort of a time. I think, you know, if you were thinking uh, Afghanistan's uh, progress as a 50-hour game, they have really started well. Now they need somebody who can get them to hunker down and see out the next 20 hours until the final hours are here and they can again go ahead. So you may see a few, I don't call them followers, but a few steady years as far as Afghanistan is concerned. And this is sort of a right man to lead them through this period, right? I mean, it can happen that some of the new teams are also very ambitious in terms of results, but there is a certain amount of cricket maturity that has to be brought into the players as well as into the system itself. He is one of those people who can probably provide that in the upcoming two or three seasons. If he doesn't, you know, get curled because things also change very often there. I hope not. Because along with him, they've also appointed Umar Gul as a fast bowling consultant and Yunus Khan as a batting consultant. Now, the, that, that's a very good choice as well. All, all three of them together can probably bring that necessary experience to the back room where you need to say certain things and you need to put certain things in place. That's fantastic. Right. So I wish Afghanistan all the best going forward. Uh, what, do, what are your thoughts on this? Yes, uh, Graham Thorpe, uh, growing up, one of my favorite, you know, English players. And uh, also he has obviously he did uh, um, he, he did a pretty uh, decent job in his stint with uh, the English team. Um, I think coaching is a lot about man management. And for Graham Thorpe also, this would be something... Uh, new this would be a new challenge of sorts he cannot rest on uh, the laurels that he earned um when he was with the english team because uh an english person um an englishman coaching an english team and an englishman uh, coaching an afghan team is like going to be um two very different assignments for cultural reasons uh, so yeah i am rooting for him i hope uh, he does well i wish him well but it will be quite a challenge agreed I mean, if anybody, I'm hoping he's up to it, right? Yeah. So, all right. Going further. Well, Ramiz Raja has been um, talking about how cricket can't be held hostage to politics and so on. So, he has a plan of four-country tournament, India, Pakistan, Australia, South Africa. Uh, he wants them to play. And he's continually highlighting how, you know, India-Pakistan games are so much sought after by the fans as well as one of the most watched matches in most tournaments and so on and so on so he's he has this plan and he's going to pitch it to the icc on april 9th uh, i'm curious how icc will uh, respond to it and whether you know they can make it happen maybe in a neutral location right what are your thoughts on that yes very interesting Ramiz Raja seems to be a very interesting person it's interesting how like in um, in a game like cricket there have always been haves and have-nots and uh, who are the haves and who are the have-nots has changed a bit over the years 
Now, of course, it started off with Australia and England being the haves and everybody else being the have-nots. And then for a brief moment, I think post Jagmohan Dalmia and like post uh, 95, 96, uh, Asia became uh, uh, the powerhouse. Then India became too much of a powerhouse and it, uh, it joined uh, the other two of, of what we now refer to as the big three. And I find it interesting that Ramesh Raja is trying to break that, uh, is trying to uh, turn that situation around into Pakistan's favor by joining the group of, of big three as with Pakistan as being the fourth of what might eventually uh, become a, um, a group that can be described as a big four. Uh, Ramiz Raja has always had grand vision and, and big proposals, but I was uh, listening recently to this podcast uh, involving uh, Jared Kimber and uh, uh, Wasim Khan, the former CEO of PCB, uh, who in, uh, in pretty straightforward terms, he said that Ramiz Raja is a great big ideas person. Uh, but he does not have the experience or perhaps even the uh, the temperament or the news to do the day-to-day uh, -day regular mundane stuff that needs to be done in uh, in uh, in order to implement things and make things happen. Mm -hmm. So this is a great uh, big idea. I really don't know how much homework has happened behind it. Uh, all the uh, I's that need to be, you know, dotted, all the T's that need to be crossed, whether that has happened, whether he's going to uh, do that. For me, it's really a let's wait and watch kind of a thing. It's a great idea, but it's uh, closer to a hypothesis than uh, a plan for me. Look, it might be a plan in its inception at this point in time. But uh, if you are a India-Pakistan fan and fan of cricket in general, so it's something you would want to watch more of. It would be a shame if the, these two teams don't get to play a test series, the one with Kohli in it and the one with Babar in it, and the current set of players on both sides. Right? It would be a real shame. But, uh, well, sometimes, as you say, there are things which are outside cricket which tend to exert their influence on it and so on. Uh, this, is the, uh, this is one thing I want to say, that when I think about the India-Pakistan matches these days, um, like uh, the possibility of India-Pakistan matches happening on, on a regular basis. What, like one of the visions that I get that I really relish, that I look forward to, is uh, Rishabh Pant, uh, you know, batting uh, and Mohammad Rizwan standing behind the stumps, uh, standing up to the stumps behind him and vice versa. And the two of them, uh, you know how vocal they are. I really relish the prospect of the two of them absolutely, absolutely chewing each other's ears off. And uh, potentially the mic being on, I think they're mic uh, being on. clever enough that nothing unparliamentary will be said and every one of us listening would also have some fun. Yeah. 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 All right. That, 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 that would be something indeed. Right. I mean, there are these big battles, right. With Bumrah bowling to Babara Azam or Shahin Shafridi bowling to Virat Kohli and so on and so on. Yeah. But there is the other one. There's the one on the other side as well. Right. So let's see how that goes. The last uh, story we wanted to discuss this episode is, uh, well, Pujara and his potential stint with Sussex is now at least uh, going to start a bit later than as imagined because uh, basically mm. the home office of UK that have been yeah. underwater with uh, the paperwork. Therefore, unfortunately, it doesn't look like he'll at least start the first game. But maybe this has been brought up to their notice by the people within the Sussex you know, uh, management and maybe they can uh, hurry a few things through and maybe he can at least start playing for the second game onwards. You know, this brings me a chance to ask you some questions about Pujara and his career in general, but uh, would, you would you see it 
again being rejuvenated where he might make it to the indian test team and have another second go or do you think he's a done deal for now i think we should never discount the possibility that uh, pujara strikes golden form and then he scores piles of runs in like county cricket and uh, in uh, in ranji trophy uh, so many that uh, the selectors are forced to sort of uh, you know bring him, him back to the team if that happens it will go- be good for everyone it will be good for um, pujara getting a second wind will be good for pujara of course which will be good for indian cricket but the people who are in charge of uh, planning the future of the indian cricket team should not be looking at pujara 34 year old batter uh, i mean uh, um, even if he gets back into the team in a year's time or something he'll have at most like one or two years uh, you know left in him and then after that they'll still have to uh, they'll have a hole again to plug uh, yeah short of him doing something uh, of like monumental proportions in the county championships and first class i don't see him him getting uh, him getting back into the um, the indian side what i do like about pujara playing county cricket and whoever else from india is going to play county cricket i hope rahane gets to play uh, i hope uh, that contributes towards the normalization of uh, players uh, going overseas to play uh, the longer format of the game i think that happens very little Indian players also do not get to uh, travel overseas to play in foreign T20 leagues. I think that should happen more often. Uh, I think it would be good for the players. It will also be good for Indian cricket. It will be good for the for world cricket in general. Uh, the profile of all all these leagues, CPL, uh, BBL, will uh, get a bit of a lift. If let's say imagine Rohit Sharma is playing for uh, the Melbourne Renegades, or uh, if Virat Kohli is playing for. the trinbago um team but uh, on a separate track i think i uh, it really uh, fills my heart with joy to see people traveling overseas to play foreign uh, long format leagues it used to happen quite a lot before and uh, it should happen more in the future as well absolutely as far as pujara is concerned look we had a similar thought about ganguly a while back and he made a comeback and he made a few runs acquitted himself very honorably and very well before he decided to call time on his own power right who knows the same thing might happen might might not i just want pujara who's made such a lot of contributions to the indian cricket to come back to the team because it's not about anybody else but pujara himself he's made enough contributions to the team where uh, in a few crucial out overseas victories even overseas series victories i want him to have another go so that uh, even for a year if he gets a chance that's fine i would say um he's able to at least contribute to a couple more overseas indian victories and he goes out on high for himself right let's see if that's possible all right uh, as expected i i i had a wonderful chat thanks a lot i had a wonderful time talking to you and um, i wish to have you as a guest again uh, sometime in the future i don't know what you thought of it fantastic ajit thanks a lot i really had a good uh, time chatting i have uh... Uh, as i told you uh, before i've um, as far as uh, time uh, as far as time allows and as far as uh, my full time job allows i try to uh, get involved with uh, with the dutch cricket board i try to work with them in, in different ways for example making videos etc i try to interview uh, players and officials and uh, uh, i like uh, asking people questions but uh, being in a podcast is a completely different thing altogether i've, I've never done that nobody has ever asked me what i thought of things <laughs> i was uh, caught a bit in the spotlight and it is a, a difficult position to be in but i thoroughly enjoyed it 
really it's really uh, it's really a lot of fun talking about cricket for starters so i really enjoyed that really enjoyed talking to you and uh, i hope we continue to talk on podcast and also outside of it. absolutely all right then we wish all our uh, listeners a good day wherever they are listening from and a goodbye bye bye this is the armchair cricket podcast <laughs>